to, to put what I do into context. So I, I cover um, education specifically as part of the FT Calls of Public Policy teams. And so that's distinct from our lobby correspondence. So in principle, um, if there is a story about things happening in schools or about funding or something quite technical, it comes to me. And if it's got one source and isn't, you know, has come out to a politician, it's, it's come out to come out to our lobby team. Um, the, the, we are physically separated from, from them. We are. Uh, we deal with uh, ministers and um, civil servants, uh, but usually in quite a different context. Um, and to, to give you an idea about that, we, uh, Michael Berry, the Education Secretary, last gave a press briefing to the Education Correspondence in February 2011, um, and he, his advisors speak to the lobby most days. So we are kept at quite a sort of arm's length. Um, the, um, the content of what we do uh, as public policy correspondence is, uh, um, is uh, it's quite often, um, it's not very reactive at the FT in particular, because frankly there are not many heartbreaking education news stories on those days. Today, unfortunately, is an exception, which is one of those days. But they, um, the, um, for the most part, it's quite self-generative as a beat. We are uh, left for our devices and what we have to do is to sort of what we kill. Um, the, one of the really big things about this kind of correspondence, and every newspaper has them, is the map that they, we get overlooked basically, as a, as a card. Um, it's quite striking that the two, oh gosh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> the, the two, um, we've had one, uh, one resignation uh, from government over um, impropriety, uh, Liam Fox, uh, that was found by a business journalist from outside the lobby. Um, and I think that's partly because he felt able to pursue the story because he didn't need the access that a lobby journalist would need. Uh, Shiv Malik at The Guardian has been pursuing the work program. Again, no one in the lobby touches this stuff. Um, and the um, the, I've had a run-in with the Department for Education over the Freedom of Information Act and its refusal to comply with it. Um, continuing refusal to comply with it, I should say. Um, the, the, um, so I think actually they are the, the public policy core, as distinct from the lobby, is actually quite an important force in British politics. I would say that. But the, the uh, proportion of actual sort of quite tough journalism that actually holds the government to account that comes out of the specialist schools and that includes your health journalists and um, as opposed to the lobby it's, it's surprisingly high and obviously the the, um, the Liam Fox resignation was chased by the lobby subsequently but the it's the sort of people who are away from politicians who don't really care if they get invited to dinner because they think our jobs don't depend on it um, who are more able to seem more able to actually stick the knife in just, just for, uh, don't we know what, since lots, most of our colleagues are from other countries, do you know what the lobby is? Ah, sorry. <laughs> so, gonna... is, it, is it similar to an agency reporting? No. no, no. So, well, okay. so, the, yeah. so the, the House of Parliament literally has a set of offices inside it, um, and for a few hundred pounds a year, newspapers are given to buy a desk in the lobby. Um, and there's a sort of peculiar club of, of these political journalists who sit together, they sit over from all newspapers alongside one another. 
very private, it's very cartelly, if I was to be critical of them. We are, thank God, better than most. Uh, in fact, we're very good at them. Um, uh, but we, um, but the, the lobby does is a pack, and the, um, um, they are specialist political reporters. So the reason they're, they're, their great role is that they have access, and they, they will get spoken to every day by people from the department who literally walk into the office and talk to them because they're in one place. Um, Sorry, but who's their employer? They're also, the FT yeah. has sort of four people in this group of this area. Um, so the employers are newspapers, yeah. broadcasting, and just all the media. Well, where is it physically? It's physically in the Parliament. <coughs> okay. It's, it's above the House of Commons. Um, and they, um, I mean, there is a, they are very peculiar what they do. I mean, I think I find that, I mean, I, I'm never worried if I hear a, a stories come from a lobby about education that are on the newspaper, because it usually means that the government is going to hand it about, because that's kind of its role. Um, the, there's been a huge amount of interest in the lobby, because uh, the Leveson Inquiry seems, in, from my perspective, extraordinarily over-interested in the lobby, given that it is, does have this sort of stenographic role. Um, but the, the, um, uh, from my perspective, someone who doesn't deal with ministers, who isn't, my job is not to cover the day-to-day -day movements of the Secretary of State for Education, it's to cover schools and universities and colleges. Um, the, there are some really uh, quite big trends sort of sweeping through that are, um, that are, that are under, under noted too. Um, the most important of which is, is the fracturing of the public sector. So, 10, well, 25 years ago, I would have been, if I were an education correspondent, you'd have been covering um, about 35 universities, something like that, and 150 local authorities. And they would run all the schools, all the colleges, and the universities would be their own, relatively few. There are now 164 universities, there are 150 local authorities, but each one of the 25,000 schools in England has a lot more autonomy, and in fact, half of the secondary schools, so that's one and a half thousand schools, are entirely independent of the local authorities. So they don't have a school board, they're standalone charter schools. So it means that from the outside, all of a sudden, given that what the centre has a lot less power over the schools, the local authorities have a lot less power over the schools, the ability of people to just do stuff and go off piece. Um, is much reduced. The ability of government to influence what they're doing is much reduced, and the ability of journalists to work out what's actually happening is much reduced. Um, and the the only way, plausibly, a single journalist can cover lots of this stuff is by um, is by keeping an eye on what the centre knows. So you have to try and sort of find ways of tapping into what Whitehall, what the civil servants are picking up from their schools. So we have invested, at the FT, we've invested in a um, in quite elaborate data processing um, facility. So we have a, I have two computers on my desk, one which is twice as powerful as the other, so that we can apply, so I actually apply as an academic, as an academic would, for access to their internal administrative data on school performance. Because that's the only way to get around this problem. So they all, have to, all the schools have these enormous data returns about every one of their children. And only by looking at that level of data that you can get around all the problems of the, of the incredibly fractured system. Uh, and that requires some technical skill. I have a graduate degree in economics, so that's helpful, because I can actually use the software to look at these, these giant data sets. Um, 
But the other side of this, and it's one where I've, where I've, the story of one in education that's is best known is the, is on the Freedom Information Act. So this act that was passed in 2000, that gives, in principle, anyone in the world, not just British citizens, a right of access to information that is held by British government public authorities. That includes every one of those schools, every one of those universities, uh, all the colleges, um, all the information that they hold that relates to government business, doesn't matter where they hold it, what format it's held, um, if they have a film or a recording or, or anything, a photograph, there's a recent controversy over the cabinet office refusing to release a photograph on the Act, which it's obliged to do. Um, and now the Act is, as I said, at the centre is more important in public policy than it's ever been. The great difficulty for journalists about using the FOI Act to, to sort of piece together what's happening in the regions is that the centre has become, the, the white ball, the, the central civil service machine has become more resistant progressively to the Freedom of Information Act since 2005 when it took effect. And the, each, it does appear that each and every year, each and every month in fact, the civil service gets more and more shameless about not just not implementing the act. And the, one of the frustrations of this um, is that it is of more importance to us, as if effectively our act as, you know, as journalists, um, it's of more use to us than anyone else. Um, and it does feel a lot like you're writing about sort of processology. You write, I don't write stories about how many times I don't get in there, how many press conferences there are, why do I write about why the act isn't working. And it takes something quite significant to have a move that onto the move that up. You don't write stories about, you know, a guy didn't answer my questions, it's not a story. Um, so the, the, the big thing we did at the FT, um, which was a year ago now, in September 2011, was we published a story which had taken 10 months to put together um, about one form of systematic evasion of the Act. So we, one of the ways we use the Act quite commonly is if you get told by it, if you, sometimes you'll get a, a document from a source that says you, you can't use this as is, you're going to have to find another way to get it. And you're going to have to leave some footprints up to someone else's window so that, you know, you've got to hide me. And one of the, the FOI Act is brilliant for this because all you do is you can literally send in a, you can write a description that's broad that says, I would like all of you. Say you've got an email from the Secretary of State to your special advisor saying, I want this guy killed, right? You send it. You write in and say, I'd like all the emails that relate to topic X. Uh, and it, by this, I would include any emails that mention person A, B, C, D, or E, and send it through. And they'll come back with you know, 35 emails in principle, of which one will be the email you're after. And if they don't release it, you also, you, you know, it's the process of asking for the information means the, the document gets moved through the department. So the, there are all the lots of civil servants will see it. And so, even if they don't release it to you, you've made the leak hunt much, much harder. Um, there are other things you can do with the Act as well. So it's, um, uh, one of the other ways we use it is if, for example, there is a, a dispute. So there's one case, I have to be oblique about this, but um, a, an issue about legal advice that had been received by ministers relating to a piece of government policy. Um, and there was, the journalist's impression was unclear whether another minister had seen this piece of advice. So, and now, legal advice is exempt from the Act. 
if you ask for it, they'll write back. They have to go and look for it, they have to find it, and they have to confirm that it's legal advice. And then they'll write back to say it's legal advice, we're not, we're not releasing it to you. So it's obviously that's quite frustrating. But if you put in a request for this legal advice, what this guy did, trying to find out if this guy, this person received this legal advice, was he put in a request to that person's department asking for the legal advice, and then they said, we don't hold that information. They didn't say it's legal advice, we found it, it's exactly said we don't have that information, it's not, it's not held by the department. And that revealed that the department had never seen the advice because they didn't have a copy of it. And so there are lots of quite neat ways of using the act to actually slice through even attempts at obfuscation. Um, and it's quite a powerful act. It can force, you can do things. Um, I, well, I had a obsessed with process, and you can see this, but the, the, um, I was curious about why a minister had asked a certain person's advice on a specific issue. I wanted to find out if they were a lawyer. Um, and um, the way I decided to do this was I FOI'd all her correspondence with the minister. And I knew that if she were a lawyer, they would just be able to say, if, she has a, if she's a qualified solicitor, they would be able to say this advice is protected by legal privilege. We're not releasing it. They didn't say that. They came up with another excuse. You, know, you, can, you can see, even when they're not answering the question under FOI, it's quite powerful that it allows you to see the shadows on the wall allow you to make, up, make out what's going on around you. What we did at the last year wasn't very subtle, in truth, but it was quite sneaky. Um, we, got a we found out that the Secretary of State for Education was using his wife's email account to conduct government business. And then, when civil servants were asked for information, they were too timid to ask him for it, basically, is what we think was initially happening. So we pushed and said, no, 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 we want you to go and ask him. You know, there's no, there's no messing around, but this isn't an administrative mistake. We know there's document, there are documents in there. You have to go and ask him. And they came back and they said, there are no documents. We don't know what you're talking about. You know, the, the, the description that you've given, there are no documents exist. As it happens, we'd already got a batch of them through, through another channel. Um, and so we were, we were able to go back to them and say, I'm, you know, I'm really sorry, we have the document. You know, you're saying this thing is a forgery or it doesn't exist. You have to explain yourself. At the same time, we got a couple of emails that showed that they were systematically telling other people, please don't email me on this official address. Please use the unofficial address. Um, so it was all quite clear and quite straightforward. But the really striking things about it were that the civil service, rather than saying, this is good, you'd expect and you'd hope, in this sort of brought up with this, to believe our civil service is an enormously impartial, neutral machine that enforces the law as well as you know, doing the admin. Um, they covered for the government throughout in some fairly extraordinary ways. So they, they came up with new legal advice after they already after the facts, right? So it was retroactive. They, after we've already sort of busted them, they said, oh, no, no, we've received advice that says that the, if you use your wife's email account, it's exempt from the law. Hey, well, who would write that? You know, why is this? This isn't in the legislation. This isn't anywhere. The person who gave the advice was this individual who was trying to find out if they were loyal or not. It wasn't. It was just a normal civil servant. They'd just written them a piece of legal advice. Um, we, they stuck by this for a year. I mean, the, the, the information commissioner sort of reviewed the case and said, no, 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 you have to release this. This is obviously a government document. They 
the government, in this sort of attempt to say, well, this is a complicated legal issue, you know, this is very difficult, it's all, you know, who can know? We, we believe, on the basis of the advice from somebody who doesn't have any legal training, that the, that the act doesn't apply to stuff if you send it from your wife's email account. Um, and so, the, you know, this got thrown out by the Information Commissioner, who's the regulator that oversees the FOI Act. Um, and, but by, um, but in an attempt to sort of continue this sort of, you know, it's a complicated legal issue, he's, you know, who knows what's right, what's going on. They spent £18,000 on external legal advice, all of which told them, you can't do this, this is obviously nuts. But they, they took us to court, or they took the information commission to court. Uh, and we spent several thousand pounds going to court with them. Um, and the whole thing was just a delaying tactic. They, as soon as the, it came to the day when they had to submit witness statements, they dropped the case and said, oh, we're very sorry, we now understand it's a very complicated legal issue, this was a one-off, you know, who knows what's going on. We subsequently found out they're doing it again. Right? They're still using private email accounts for government business. They're still refusing to release information from it. And this is really fundamental to public policy journalism. Because, as I say, when, when you have this fractured system, it's the people in the middle whose job it is, who are the only people who have system-wide information, who, are sort of, who, who know what's going on. If we can't get information out of Whitehall, out of central government, we have very little chance of being able to follow what's going on um, in the periphery. Um, there is no, we can no longer go around them to the local authorities because the local authorities no longer know what's going on. You know, the school boards and the, the local authorities are, are, are fairly weakened. What, what did you find out when, when the emails were released? Well, we had them already. So the whole, the whole thing was a mystery shopper exercise. I mean, as I, it came about because we were doing this, we were, we were, we were chasing pieces of information that we already had. We were trying to sort of confuse slightly about um, do some sort of source protection work. Um, and we kept finding, we kept putting an FOI request, and they kept coming back and saying, no, no, no this information doesn't exist. And coincidentally, there was a court case against the Department of Education where it was noted during this proceeding. Someone, there's one of the sort of things that came out there, but someone offhandedly said, it's quite odd, it feels like half of the correspondence is missing. And I don't know, I can't tell you why, it's just there are lots of things that get referred to which have never been, you know, assumed prior knowledge, and no one has ever referred to them before. You know, it does feel like there's something missing. Um, at the same time, when we wrote the story, lots of civil servants said to us, um, this explains, you know, I now understand. Because the way that the civil service is supposed to work is that you have this inbox as a, as a minister, things come in, and your private secretary, ah, oh, he's interested in you know, Doncaster schools. I'll get the Doncaster schools guy primed for any questions. Um, and the idea is they're supposed to be sort of, you've shown a vague interest and a report will appear on the side of your desk. And they, so the machine roughly knows what's going on. But they found that they, the department would find out policy from speeches, which is really not supposed to happen. There was one case where they, they appear to have um, had two days notice of a plan to introduce a new qualification, um, which was being announced on a Sunday. So they found out on a sort of Friday afternoon. Um, the whole thing is, is um, it makes the, 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 the sort of, this sort of stuff means that the, the ministry is very badly numb because the officials don't really know what's going on at any one time. Uh, it means that for me, I can't really find out why they make decisions at all. There, there is no document chain. In 30 years' time, we're going to open up you know, 
things are going to be put to the National Archives and public records and will be released for everyone to read. And there just won't be anything there. Um, I mean, the, this is all the resistance of the centre to releasing information as well is actually obvious, it's quite spreading. So there were things where, which they didn't mind doing because no one really looked at them before. So if you, they release something every month called Coins, which is the Treasury's sort of spending database. So literally, the, the British Exchequer has a list, a sort of a ledger book, an electronic ledger book. And they, if you pay out more than some sum, I think it's 500 pounds, to any individual, it goes in this book, this giant, literal ledger book. And they post it online each month. And obviously, when it's 40% of the economy, Treasury is a big thing, and this, these files are enormous, and they are almost unusable. I mean, they are beyond the capacity of any member of the public to look at, because you, you can't open them in Excel. These are huge things. You need a very big computer, and you need databasing software to be able to cope with it. Um, as soon as anyone comes up with a way to easily process that data, it will disappear again. They will stop publishing it. There is no, I have no doubt about that. And we have a quite new case study there, which is the National People Database, which is this thing. I, so I have this model for historic reasons. I have a little certificate that says I'm a good statistician from the Economic and Social Research Council, which is a sort of um, a hangover of the previous life of one, um, which I had to get to qualify for funding. And I wrote to them and said, look, I'm a, I'm a serious guy. I'm good at maths. I can, I can use this stuff. Why don't you really, I want to do a research project. Can you give me any good reason why you shouldn't release this information to me? And they, they couldn't. Um, I have written a sort of run of stories using this enormous data set. So 600,000 kids, ethnicities, postcodes, where they live, what, you know, their, their uh, school results. And you can do quite neat things. So when the government unexpectedly introduced a curriculum reform earlier this year, um, which they, and they did it by leaking it to the lobby, obviously. Um, and we were able to produce, within about an hour, one morning, a map showing who would be affected by it, which schools would be affected by it, what kinds of kids would be affected by it, how it would play out. Um, so they hate this. I mean, it, puts, it means that we actually no longer need to listen to them at all when they talk about the school system, because we can, go, we can look straight through them at the raw results. Um, it used to be that you had to fill out one form, which I could do in about 15 minutes. Um, our lawyers have been working on the five forms you now have to fill out uh, for a week. Um, we, this is a new, um, a new transparency process. It means you have to have, they've changed the way you get access to this. It used to be basically say, look, I'm a competent guy. I understand the Data Protection Act. I'm not gonna put these kids' results online. I'm not gonna try and track down these children start talking to them about their results and freaking them out. Um, and the, the process now is a five, is five forms, which, as I say, taking our lawyers, taking our lawyers a week to go through. I mean, they're just trying to cripple anyone who wants to look at this data through with new, more onerous restrictions. Um, and the joy of the really fun thing about this is this is all in the name of improving transparency. So they said that they would, and in fact they actually said they would publish this data set without any qualifications, without anyone be able to download it, anyone be able to look at it. Um, but in practice, what they're actually doing is they're making it much, much harder to go through. And the threshold costs are really high of getting this information. And that does appear to be the way that whiteboard is approaching 
journalists at the moment. They take the view that they will publish the data they want to publish. If no one looks at this stuff, it's fine. They can be totally transparent. As soon as people ask for it, they're like, hold on a minute, you know, what are you doing with this? Um, and I think that's the, so I mean, from this government that, that made a great play at the same transparency, it's very, very disappointing and very unsettling. And the, it does create a bigger, as I say, for citizens under four, it does create a bigger problem now uh, because we no longer have the intermediary bodies that would know what was going on. The centre is the only thing that has collecting data from every school. It's the only thing that's collecting data from every college. It's the only people that's collecting data from every university. Um, we should be saying, actually, there are parts of the, of the centre that are quite good. So the business department is um, someone FOI, all of my correspondence with the minister, some third party, I don't know who they are. And so I got a letter saying, we are releasing all of this correspondence between you and the minister. We hope you don't mind. You know, if there's anything in there that you really object to, that you consider to be released to us in confidence or, or professionally privileged in some way, let us know and we won't be able to redact it. Uh, and we'll take out your phone number and email address and all that kind of stuff. Um, and they included notes that were prepared for the minister um, ahead of talking to me on the phone. And I thought that, you know, so Biz actually kind of get it. And I said, well, you didn't really ask for this, but it's kind of in the field of what you're looking for, you know, so why didn't you have it? Uh, whereas the Department for Education takes a view that they have to absolutely resist every single request. And they put out information, see if anyone wants it, if they do, take it away. Um, so I think we have a, it's not everywhere, but it's pretty bad. And the Cabinet Office in particular, which is the agency that runs the Prime Minister's office, this is one of its central functions, uh, is perhaps the worst. Um, my favourite of their recent uh, attempts to evade the Act are that what they do, you put in an act, uh, a request. So I put in a request. I think if you see Chris Bryant, the Labour MP, has said that Downing Street didn't put all the text messages between the Prime Minister and Rebecca Brooks in as evidence the Lovett Inquiry. So I thought, okay, I'll put in an FOI request to the, the Treasury solicitors who are the lawyers who might who probably did all the work for the for the government on um, on this, because they might hold the document. And I'll put in a request to the Cabinet Office and see if they, they hold um, if the if the Prime Minister's office itself holds a copy of this file. And they came back in the, within an hour, which is Totally unheard of. I said, no, 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 these things don't exist. These things don't exist. We're not doing this. And I wrote back and said, that was a very, very fast search you've done there. You know, the, can, we, can I just check? And, the, and what had happened is that I had said, I see in the independent that um, there's this, this document pile. What I think has happened with them is that they've said, they've, they've found an error in the, in the independent reporting. And because the independent is not 100% accurate, they have been able to say this document does not exist. The documents that meet that description do not exist. They also, one of their other recent tricks is they, they edit your requests. So if you put in a request saying, I would like all the things that meet criteria A, B, and C, they will, set, they will, drop, they will drop criteria B and C and only look at things that meet criteria A. And so in my case, I asked for emails between person A and person B that concerned, only concerned one topic. And they, what they did was they dropped the qualifier that only concerned one topic and said, we can't give you all these emails. There are hundreds of them. That will cost far too much. <coughs> I didn't answer for all of them. I asked for this very narrow band. So go back and do it again. And they said, ah, you made a complaint. Right. 
So what we're going to do is we're going to start a complaints process, which will take 20 to 40 days. And if you are happy at the end of it, you can start a complaints process with the Information Commission. It'll take six months. At that point, the Information Commission will go back and say, can you please get on and answer the request? And so they could just not do anything for nine months. Uh, the Cabinet Office is also the agency that distributes legal advice to other institutions who are hoping to avoid the Act. They, one of their new favourites is if you say, so let's say you were to say, well, I, I want to know what they say about Rebecca Brooks, not just um, <coughs> stuff sent to her, but stuff they sent to each other about her. Uh, and you ask for everything that uses the word Brooks. And they'll come back and say, the Act does not allow you to do searches. So if you think through, this is, if, you asked, if you said to them, I would like everything about Rebecca Brooks, what they would do is they would go through, that gives them, because there's a sort of judgment thing here, right? so they'd say, well, it mentions her, but there's no information about her that we think that they want. And you, so you can't let them, so, if you, so the way to get around them using their judgment to cull what you want is you say, I like everything that just uses the word. And if you think through the in, sort of intellectual thing, so the rationale, the difference between saying, I want everyone, everything that uses this word, and I want everything that you judge to be about this topic. And it's, sort of, it's not clear why one would be allowed and one would but they just now refuse to do one because it removes their capacity to, to deal with it. So what you actually need to happen now is one of the, someone has to take the cabinet office to the information tribunal. Yeah, they have to lose the information tribunal. So that's sort of 18 months of work before the camera office will be obliged to do this. And then what they'll do is they'll just stop thinking, how, how can we deny this request? You know, what can we make up? So why don't we just switch off the search function on our email system, right? Why don't we just do that? That'll be the next kind of thing that they do. They will just make it impossible to search things. Um, and that's the, we're now in this game where, and ultimately we have no chance of winning. I mean, they, the cards are all in their hand. Um, if they don't want to release stuff, they can just destroy it ultimately, and they do that too. Chris, I'm going to stop you with that yeah. pessimistic, pessimistic point. <laughs>